And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Welcome to episode 59, Indeed. I am your host, Darren Starr. Um, this is going to be the first episode that I will, uh, I, I'm searching for a right name for it, so I'm not going to plug in any new kinds of graphics or anything like that. I'm going to call it the mini drop set, first of all. So we're just going to cut right to the chase. We're going to do one quick topic here. I'm going to spit this out, throw it up online, and we're going to call it good. There will probably be a full episode that comes later in the week as well, so consider this your little intermediary um, episode to kind of hold you over because I know you're all chomping at the bit and you're like, give me more drop set. I don't know that anybody's really saying that, but I have it in my head that the audiences are clamoring for it. So therefore I will produce. Absolutely. I did just put up a blog post today moments ago for anybody who is interested. Um, and if you're not, I don't care. Go read it anyway, please. I put effort into this stuff. Um, so if you go to fivestarphysique.com, click on blog, or you could go to thedropset.com, which is Spoiler alert, the same website, and click on blog. Uh, you will see all the latest posts up there. The top one is called What the Judges Want, Figure Division specifically. So um, what we're talking about in this post is, um, you know, if you're looking to compete in the figure division, what are the judges looking for and how can you get there? Um, and I actually go through some examples here. So, um, and one of the most striking examples is, you know, I put a side by side of Nicole Wilkins who won the Olympia in 2013 and her on stage 2013 at the Olympia right next to uh, Melissa Bumstead who just took fourth at the Vancouver Pro Show two weeks ago. So just, you know, a typical pro show, not the Olympia. And just look at the overall size, level of conditioning, the shape, et cetera, that has evolved, like what the standards are being, what standards are being rewarded. And clearly, I mean, it's, it's one show, so it doesn't, but, but it is indicative of where bodybuilding is going. So they want, I mean, if you look at, you know, Nicole from 2013, you know, she, she'd be like, you know, maybe in the top five at an average pro show and probably, you know, that, that physique. And clearly if you look at her now, she's beyond what she was in 2013 for sure. But, um, that, that physique, that that's not getting anywhere near a top 10 in the Olympia these days, not conditioned enough, not extreme enough. So, um, you can really kind of see how things are progressing. And then I look at a couple of winners as well. So the woman who won the Vancouver Pro Show and then um, a woman who won the figure overall at Junior Nationals last month. So take a look at those. And then between those and then also just, you know, if you look around, if you look at galleries online, you can see that, you know, these two are not necessarily outliers. You know, the, the main nuts and bolts, the bullet points that they bring as far as their, um, their overall development and conditioning is pretty in line with what's being rewarded in figure these days. So I break it down, you know, um, what, what are the positives? What are the things that you want to focus on? What are the things you want to focus on less? And then also, big picture, you know, if you're, if you're looking to compete in a couple years or you're competing now, but, you know, down the road, you're like, I mean, everybody wants to be the best they can as soon as they can, but let's get a realistic look here. You know, if you are just competing in your first show and you took, you know, third or fourth in a novice category and your goal is to go pro, you've got a little bit of a journey ahead of you. So um, what are the things that you should be focusing on throughout, you know, from show one to show two in your off season, how to manage that? And then training focus. Um, where should we put training? And this is all specifically for the figure division. So check that out, fivestarphysique.com or thedropset.com. Click on blog. I'm always soliciting 
Um, phone calls, your messages for Q&A segments here, 865-518-2974. Okay, let's cut to the chase. I wanted to have a quick discussion here about um, something that is very common in the bodybuilding universe, something that is bandied about and thrown about very casually. Um, And I think we all kind of hear this and I think we know what it means, but I really want to dig into it a little bit. And that is your comfort zone. And specifically, getting out of it. For sake of this discussion, I'm going to confine the topic to the gym specifically. So, and even more specifically than that, lifting. So, cardio, yes, getting out of your comfort zone on cardio is important because, you know, if we spend all of our time in our comfort zone, we're never going to get our heart rate up. So, it, <laughs> cardio inherently forces you out of your comfort zone a little bit. But I also find when you're doing, when you're in prep, you're doing cardio consistently all the time, every freaking day, it's really easy to get complacent. And I think shaking up how you do cardio and just kind of, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you can start and you're like, you know, exactly where you need to be. And then a week into it, you're 95% of that. And then a week into that, for, for another week into that, you're at 90%. And then before you know it, you're going at like 60% intensity. Um, and it, it's always good to just have a quick reality check, wake up call. Like, am I putting in the work that I need to do? And tracking some of your numbers on cardio can help with that. On the diet, yes, it's important to pull yourself out of your comfort zone if you really want to achieve a nasty level of conditioning. If you really want to get to that level of leanness that you haven't seen before, you're going to have to get uncomfortable with it. You're not going to have to get miserable long-term necessarily, but short-term, you're, you're going to have to get uncomfortable. Yes, that comes with the territory. But let's talk about lifting specifically and what does it mean to really get out of your comfort zone? Well, clearly it means trying new things for one thing, um, you know, experimenting with stuff. And one thing that I'm always stressing um, to clients as well is I don't care if you like or dislike an exercise particularly. I think there's, you know, cl- clearly from an exercise design standpoint, if you if you're like these are the exercises that I really don't like, and I build a workout that contains nothing but those exercises, it's going to affect you mentally. Most people, most normal people, and you're just not going to throw everything you can into that. So I think it becomes a little self defeating um, to force yourself to you know eat your veggies, so to speak. No offense to the veggie lovers out there, but we'd all prefer dessert, right? Um, it 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 doesn't make sense to really force that stuff. But at the same time, you know. I used to be in a category of people where um, one of the things that I, I disliked more than anything else was a three-point row, a one-arm dumbbell row for back. Um, I, I hated it. I wasn't good at it. It was an exercise that I avoided, and therefore, I never got better at it. And then one day, um, I, don't, I, I don't have a fascinating story about this, but over time, um, I just got into the habit of doing it more regularly, and I got better at it. And it started to make sense to me. And I understood the value in it. And I, I made a couple tweaks to form. So it didn't feel like, man, this is just an ab exercise, trying to keep my core and my torso from rotating and twisting. Because um, that's what it felt like. And then I tweaked my form a little bit. I adjusted my stance. I found a way to make it work. And the trick with that now is I have an additional tool in my tool belt. So uh, a, a common thing that I say to clients is, outside of injury or some kind of mechanical deficiency. I don't want to have our exercise vocabulary reduced for any reason. 
Like if you dislike something or if you don't feel an exercise is, an, as, is effective, that's our chance to figure it out and make it work and make it effective. So just because you don't like something, um, a, a great example of this that cuts both ways is the Jefferson squat. If you know what I'm talking about, great. If you don't, Google it really quick. Pause this. Pull up your web browser. Google it and look at what a Jefferson squat is. I'll wait. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to wait. Um, anyway, it's a really awkward barbell movement. I mean, it, it's weird. I have, I can count on like one finger, the number of people, <laughs> I'll tell you which finger as well. One finger, the number of people who've said, wow, I really like this move. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't, nobody likes that move. And everybody wants an alternative for it or a substitution. And that's kind of a litmus test for me. And, and invariably, my answer is, let me see it. Shoot me a video of you doing it, and I'll tell you what you're doing wrong, and then we'll fix it. And then you may not like it, but you will suddenly feel it's effective. And then maybe over time, you can grow to like it a little bit. And, you know, when we go through a set of workouts, we're riding that for four weeks or so. So if you don't like it, eh, you can suck it up for four weeks. And, you know, it's a character-building exercise. And it's also an adductor and hamstring-building exercise, glutes too. So um, we like it. We like it for that reason. That being said... There are some people that are just not built to do that correctly. Whether it's it's hip mobility, it's lower leg to upper leg ratios, it, it's uh, lower back mobility, like they just have a really stiff lumbar spine and they, they can't do it and keep their torso upright. Adductors, hip flexors are too tight. They just can't sink into it properly. Um, it, it makes sense to say, okay, we're, we're going to take that one off the table. And maybe there, that does, I mean, it's, it's a great troubleshooting exercise, if nothing else, because if you can't do it correctly, it often is eye-opening and can point us in the direction of some things that can be really useful. So just accepting that um, you, know, you should do some things that you don't like. And, and sometimes th there may be a perfectly valid reason why you don't like it that is actually a reason why you shouldn't do it. But I would say that is rare. That probably makes up like, you know, somewhere between 10 and 20% of all, the, all those cases. The other 80 to 90% are just like, I don't like this because oftentimes it just doesn't make sense. I don't feel this. Um, it, it's too hard. I mean, you know, squats, hello. Um, the, the axiom I always hear is, you know, every guy always complains about, you know, elbows and wrists, etc., but never stops them from benching. But, oh, my knee hurts and I can't squat. It's because you don't like to squat. It's because they're hard and they're not fun. So, um, But you suck it up and you do it anyway. So that's one way to get out of your comfort zone. But what I'm really talking about when I say stretch yourself and get out of your comfort zone is weight. Weight selection. We really easily fall into habits on this. And until you really test yourself and challenge yourself and try to push yourself into some uncharted territory, you don't know what you're capable of. And so I'm here to tell you, I don't know who you are listening to this, but you're capable of more than you think you are. Um, I guarantee you. And I, I've seen so much video evidence from clients over the years where I can just tell like, yeah, you're working, but you're not really working. Wink, wink. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I can tell like, yeah, this isn't easy, but it's also not as hard as it could be. And you, if you've listened to this before, you know my philosophy on weight, more is not always better. But that that's kind of like for the, fir for the introductory phase into your training. And I would call that introductory phase maybe as long as the first five years of training, three to five years. It depends on how quickly you get up to speed with it. But just understanding your body, understanding the mechanics of the movements, how they work, how they're supposed to feel, really understanding what the form is supposed to be like. 
there gets to be a point, however, where it's like, all right, cool. We understand that. And we're not going to throw that all away. We still need to, you know, make sure that mind muscle connection is there. The um, quality of contraction is there. We still understand what full range of motion is supposed to be like. We still know what good form is supposed to be like. But now with all those things being considered, let's go ahead and throw some damn weight around. All right. And we're not going to try to lose track of any of that, but now we need to shift the focus on going a little bit heavier. Um, and so, I mean, case in point, I was working out with somebody the other day and she was going for um, the 40s for a flat bench dumbbell press. I'm like, all right, that's pretty respectable. Um, and, you know, she started with like 30s as a warm up set. All right, cool, cool. Let's go 40. Let's go 45. And then I, I suggested the 50s and she's like, uh, are you sure about that? Yeah, we're going for sets of eight. So go for the 50s. All right, cool. She knocked it out. She's like, that was surprisingly not as difficult as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, okay. Let's go for the 55s next. Because, you know, my philosophy is if you're hitting all those targets that I mentioned before and you don't die, then bump the weight up. Um, there's no reason not to. Otherwise, you are just staying in your comfort zone. So I don't care if you've never grabbed the 55s off the rack. If you've done the 50s and you handled them, I don't expect it was easy. But if you did it, go up. Stop pussyfooting around the low end of the dumbbell rack and go up. Grab the next highest weight. So she grabbed the 55s and lo and behold, she beasted out a set of eight. And now at this point, we're done. We've done all the sets that we need to, but I'm like, we're not stopping there. No, we're going to do 60s. And she looked at me like I was from Mars. Um, but I'm like, come on, let's do it. 60s, let's get them. And we did, and did we get eight reps? No, but we got like six, I think, something like that. Um, six and a half, seven, something. I mean, it was something pretty close to eight. Like if, if we were going to count that as a working set, I would I would say that totally counted. So um that's a significant jump up from what was done previously. So um, it's really easy to just fall into those habits. I have, I'm, hello, I'm guilty of this all the damn time, all the time. And every now and then you've just got to wake up to that and realize, man, I've been doing skull crushers with a 70 pound easy bar for the last 10 years, I can probably go a little heavier than that. And I worked up to, I mean, you know, my elbows are only going to support so much. And there is a point where it starts to feel more like a joint exercise than a muscle exercise. But I was in the zone. I was feeling it. I got, I worked up to nineties yesterday, 90, 90 pound bar, which was for me, that's really good. And that, that was all tricep. There was no elbow involved in that whatsoever. It was not in the joint. It was all in the muscle. So, um, this is where it becomes really valuable to log your workouts. Always track the weights that you do on sets and always try to reach for more, um, which is also why it's important not to have exercise ADD and to not do a different workout every single day. Because if you do, you're going to find that it's really easy to fall into this pattern because the workouts are always different. And so the context for the numbers is always different. And well, I did 60 pounds here last week. And so, you know, even though I did it as the last exercise last week, and now I'm starting with it this week, I'm going to still going to do 60 pounds. I'm like, screw that. No, you could go heavier. If you're fresh, you can go heavier. So don't get overly cute with changing up your workouts and log those numbers track them and force yourself to get out of your comfort zone. And something that I say often is the more time you spend outside of your comfort zone, the greater your capacity for growth. And I'm not, I'm not talking growth as a human being. I'm talking about muscular growth, but, um, the people who make, um, 
good bodybuilders are comfortable stepping out of their comfort zone frequently. The people who make great bodybuilders spend a good deal of time out of their comfort zone. And the people that operate at the highest level of bodybuilding, they live out of their comfort zone. They don't know what it is. They have shattered that barrier. There is no comfort zone. If they're in the gym, suddenly they're uncomfortable. So um, the more time you can spend out of there, the better off you'll be. Now also something that's worth noting is that when you really start to make this leap, um, you've got to give yourself time to recover as well. So if, if you really start pushing it in the gym, you're really going to feel it as well, and you're suddenly going to benefit from extra an extra day off here and there. So take that into consideration when you start to plan out your weekly schedule. So the moral of the story, spend more time out of your comfort zone. You need to be there. Um, you need to define what that comfort zone is. And if you look through your logbook for the past two months, that's your comfort zone. So now... Don't don't destroy that or anything like that, but figuratively in your head, crumple that up and start with a clean slate. Be like, okay, well, I know I've done this weight on this exercise before, but you know what? That got me to here. That's not going to get me to the next level. I need, I need to step it up a little bit. With regards to weight, that will take us so far. And then certainly, I mean, you've, you've got to have periodized programming as well. You've got to play around with volume, um, but weight is that one variable where we're always aware of it. We always know how we can adjust it, um, but don't be afraid to. And don't be afraid to take small jumps, even on a leg press. I know it's kind of cliche to say, okay, well, I'm going to do one plate on each side, two plates on each side, three plates on each side. Well, just remember, a plate isn't a unit of measurement. A pound is a unit of measurement. So you can use smaller than 45-pound plates on a leg press. So guys, suck it up. If you can do five five plates per side on the leg press for a certain number of reps, but you're not sure about six, throw a 25 on each side. He'll throw a 10 on each side. That's still an increase over what you did before. You're forcing progressive overload at that point. And you can, you can pile on 10s and 10s and 10s, and then before you know it, you've basically piled on an extra 45 on each side if you just work towards it slowly. Pull yourself out of that comfort zone. So that's it. Moral of the story, once again, define your comfort zone, draw a circle around it, and then be a rule breaker and spend as much time outside of that circle as you possibly can. That's all I got for today. So I appreciate you all listening. Thank you very much. I will try and get back to you later in the week with a full episode. Take it from there. Have a great week until then.